I'll tell you something I love about being in France, in addition to some seriously delicious butter, and that is the wide selection of wines I can find in France for low prices. It can be much more difficult to source those same bottles back in the States, and that's why I love to buy wines out of France with Ideal Wine. I have bottles shipped to me, hassle-free. It's easy. Ideal Wine has a new auction every week and is a great source for iconic names like Ouette, Louis Roeder, and Domaine Lefleve, as well as rising stars like Arnaud Lachaud, Gonon, and Tissot. Find the wines you'd rather be drinking at idealwine.com. That's I-D-E-A-L-W-I-N-E.com and have the wine shipped to you in the States. Use the promo code FIRST, F-I-R-S-T, for $15 off your first order of $150 or more. Hey, that's $15 you could save, and that is some good butter money. See for yourself at Ideal Wine. I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levy Dalton. I'm Erin Scala. And here's our show today. One of the first places Phoenicians planted vinifera vines was in Gaiac, around 300 BC. They also established an amphora production facility nearby to have vessels to transport the wines. Gaiac's location had ideal conditions for grape growing, and the area was also situated near roads that led to Lyon and a river that led to the Bordeaux port and therefore ultimately the export market of England. So from the start, the region had three things going for it. Good wine, plenty of amphoras, and several trade routes to market. About a thousand years after vines were first introduced to the area, Gaiac was all but destroyed in a series of invasions, and winemaking had just about disappeared. But the area was revitalized by Benedictine monks. The monks focused on quality control. They forbade blending in wines from other regions. They limited fertilizers, and they set strict guidelines for pruning and harvesting. The more focused monastic winemaking tradition increased quality, and the Gaiac wines grew in reputation. In the early 1700s, a freak winter freeze damaged or killed most of the vines, and it also damaged warehoused wine that hadn't been shipped yet. Barrels froze and burst, and most of the stored wine was lost. In this one winter freeze, the region lost much of their vineyards and backstock, and they suffered a decline. This occurred around the same time that France was at war with two of Gaillac's most important export markets, England and the Netherlands. By the end of the century, Gaillac wine was being shipped off to be blended into the wines of other regions. One of the local grape varieties that was popular in the 1700s, and possibly as early as the 1500s, is Malzac Blanc, a grape whose plantings have waned over the last several decades, but still a grape that holds much fascination in the wine world. In the 1800s, Gaillac made some strides with its beloved unique varieties, but they lost over 75% of their vines in the phylloxera epidemic. Still, by 1903, things had improved enough for one of the first wine co-ops to be established in Gaillac. And more recently, by the late 90s, a few producers were championing the local varieties and encouraging increased plantings. There have been so many ups and downs in the winemaking business for Gaillac. A constant oscillation between struggle and tragedy, followed by periods of global recognition and success. The resilience of the region's winemaking industry and the recent increased focus on indigenous varieties is nothing less than remarkable. And few other regions in France can claim such a vital historic importance to some of the earliest winemaking in France. It's not enough to make great wine. You also have to reach the consumer that appreciates that wine. And that's where Offset is an incredible asset. Offset is an independent brand design and commerce technology company that connects with wineries on a human level to help them connect with consumers on a human level. Offset is based in wine country and staffed by creative strategists and technologists who are superb 
at helping create and evolve wine brands through visual identity and package design, developing the look, feel, and tone of your web content, as well as building beautiful and effective websites powered by their proprietary e-commerce platform, Offset Commerce. That's why leaders like Frog Sleep, Grace Family Vineyards, and Rain Winery already rely on Offset. Reach out to the brilliant team at Offset at offsetpartners.com. That's O-F-F-S-E-T partners with an S dot com. Offset is focused on the wine industry and can embrace the nuanced needs of your wine brand. Laurent Plageol of Domaine Plageol on the show today from the southwest of France. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Thank you. Very nice to have you here. It's good for me, too. So you're in the southwest of France near Toulouse. Yeah, that's it. Um, we live in, in, a, in an area uh, 40 kilometers far from Toulouse, north from Toulouse. I mean, in the middle of, of the southwest, just between the Mediterranean coast and the Atlantic Ocean. It's a really old place, you know, with a lot of uh, old villages, Bastide, as we said in France, middle-aged village, uh, really sloppy, you know, we have lots of, of hills. What's the climate like? I mean, it's Mediterranean and Atlantic at the same time. What does that mean for <laughs> how it feels? Yeah, it's, um, so we have both big influences, of course, from the Atlantic Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, so we can have really, really different year and really different vintage, of course, because sometimes the Atlantic Ocean is stronger than the Mediterranean influence uh, climate. So, and, and sometimes it's the opposite. So it can be really, yeah, really different. And, um, but it's regularly, it's a really warm and sunny, sunny places. You're specifically in Gaillac. Yeah. Gaillac, it's uh, actually, it's a, a, a city, uh, 15,000 people. Uh, we are six kilometers uh, north from Gaillac on a, a really, on a really, Sloppy place, you know, uh, on, on the top of the hill. Uh, the name of the village that we are, it's Cabizac sur Vert. It's a place between Gaillac and Corte sur Ciel. Corte sur Ciel is uh, one of the middle age, most famous middle age village that we have. And uh, we are, yeah, just between them, between Gaillac and, and Corde. And how long does winemaking and vine growing date back in this region? Um, for a while. For, for, yeah, for a while, because. Gaillac is one of the oldest area in France where vine is growing. Guys do archaeologist research in Montans, a village really close from Gaillac, and you find a lot of amphora and uh, money from uh, Gallo-Roman period. So good testimony for the Gaillac vineyard. You know, you, we we have had enough uh, at that time already vines in Gaillac. So the Romans were in that area making wine. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's really, really old. And um, yeah, we, we always have vines in Gaillac. You, yeah, you know. And what's the history of the domain? Yeah, it's a really family affair place. Actually, we grow uh, this place for six generations now. So it's more or less two centuries. And uh, in, in the same area, same place. It first, uh, yeah, it was in 1820. And, uh, but at that time, it was... A regular farm, you know, we not only vines, we grow vines, of course, but just two or three hectares. We grow chicken, we grow, uh, uh, we rise uh, cows, and uh, we do a regular farm that we, yeah, that we had at that time. And um, the first real winemaker of the family uh, was my great grandfather, so the, the father of Robert, my, my grandfather, Marcel, and uh, he was the first who only grows vines and um, stop doing other things because you have two uh, main jobs or his job of winemakers but he was also a grafter so he grafted a lot of vines in Gaillac but not only in Gaillac in other places in southwest and and, uh, and uh, Languedoc kind of after the phylloxera crisis or what yeah it about? was it was after it was uh, after the war um, it was the second second war and um, he did that a lot and um, he really, really gave these things to my grandfather and my father. Uh, my father w- uh, was raised a bit by my great-grandfather, and he learned him to graft it at that time. 
So uh, the real story of winemaking in my family begin with Marcel at the end of the Second World War. And um, after that, my grandfather, Robert, began to work during at the beginning of the 60s. And he, he wanted to find back some old grape varieties who disappeared in Gaillac. So first, he protected the grape that he had at that time. So the Mozac, of course, and the Juras, which were the two main grapes that we have in our barnyard. So Mozac, the white grape, and yeah, yeah. Juras, the red grape. Yeah, that's it. Mozac, it's, um, it's the main white grape variety that we have in Gaillac. And um, the Juras, it's uh, another of the really, really old native grapes from Gaillac. Really rare, actually, because it only grows in Gaillac, and, and you can find this grape variety elsewhere. But it's confusing because there's also a Cote de Duras, right? Yeah, yeah. Cote de Duras is actually a region, Neria, but they don't grow any Duras. They grow much more uh, Bordelais grape varieties, you know, like Merlot, Cabernet Franc, and Cabernet Sauvignon. Because that would be too easy if they grow <laughs> Duras there. Yeah, yeah. Duras, it's, uh, it needs, Duras need, needs sun, you know, and we are in sunny place, much more than Cote de Duras. That's why yeah, I think Duras is well adapted to, to Gaillac. So Robert started working with the traditional grape varieties of the region. Yeah, that's it. And um, so, yeah, he, he wanted so to preserve these two grapes, these two main grapes. But he wanted to add other grape varieties because he did a lot of research, I mean, in books, in archives. And he began to find, you know, some text about weird name grape variety that we had in Gaillac in the past. And um, Because the vine tradition is so long there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, he, he finds, so he, he wanted to find these grapes. So, first in books, of course, he read a lot and, and he, he finds, you know, testimony about wine made with some Ondenk or Prunola or, or grape like that. So, he keeps going with that, with his ID. And he, thanks to the great grandfather, thanks to Marcel, uh, we had some Ondenk in the Mozak field because my great grandfather kept just two rows of Ondenk in the Mozak uh, vines, you know. In one hectare of Mozak, we had two rows of, of Ondenk. But the first grape variety that we planted back uh, was these grapes, Ondenk. And uh, we do a massal selection in these two rows, and we planted an XR to do some tries first. And the first vintage of Ondenk, the first wine that we made was uh, a sweet wine in 1988, the Vendotin, which is a, a, a really sweet wine. So you brought something back that was almost extinct. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's exactly the, the, the thing for the Ondenk. And um, so we keep going, I mean, with Ondenk, and, and he, 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 now we do dry whites too. So what that was the first grape variety who reappears in Gaillac, you know, a vineyard. After that, he do other research, and, and he find uh, another white uh, grape named Verdanel, which was totally destroyed by Phylloxera. And um, thanks to the French Conservatory of Grape Variety, who really helped us, Domaine de Vassal, uh, Dans l'Hérault, in Hérault, uh, near Montpellier, um, we bring some, we pick some, some woods, you know, just, uh, I don't know, 10 or, or 12 stocks because they only have five or four vines. So uh, we grafted them, we do a muscle section in the conservatory, we grafted the, the woods and we planted just one rose of Verdanelle just to check, just to do some tries. And now we planted back one more hectare three years ago. So we are going to, to follow the work of my uh, grandfather. And it sounds like your grandfather had almost academic connections and wanted to make it a practical interest. You know, he, he took uh, advantage of academic resources at colleges and universities. Yeah. yeah. To find out about these grapes and to source the actual grape material. Exactly. He, he really, we do lots of research in, in archives and, and, and books. And he have um, a really, really big uh, bibliotheque in his property uh, with, I mean, tons of, of uh, books about grapes, about uh, history of Gaillac, because it's really close. You know, Gaillac always grows vines. So if you just have a look in the past of Gaillac, you still have a look on the vines, of the vines in Gaillac. So you can find a lot of things, a lot of information about that. And um, say, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really, really good heritage for us too, because we have these books, all these books, you know, really close from us, so we can, we can find other things. So um, yeah, the thing was really cool. It's uh, uh, with my father, he decided, they, they decided to plant 
a tiny conservatory of grapes. From your Bayern. grandfather and your father. Yeah, yeah, both. Robert and Bernard. And Bernard, yeah. So uh, we have now just, you know, half an hectare of more than 15 different grape varieties from where Yakut disappeared. And we try to grow them just to see physically the, the things that we can have with, the, with these grapes, uh, the wines. And, and um, maybe in a few years, we will plant other things, other, other native grape varieties from Gaillac, you know, to, just to increase the diversity of the Gaillac uh, grape varieties. So it's a nursery of yeah. Gaillac viticultural history. That's it. That's it. We, we, we try to. We try to have this nursery in our vineyard for the moment. But the thing is, I mean, we, we want to, to plant it, these grapes, but we want also, if we can, help all the winemakers in Gaillac to plant this kind of grape varieties because they are really, really well adapted to the climate, to the ground, to the terroir. And uh, the thing is, the much you are growing these kind of grapes, the better, the better it is, I think. So that classic idea that the grapes that grew up somewhere with a certain kind of sensitivity to the climate of that region tend to do better there over time. That's it. They are really well adapted. Yeah, of course. I mean, when my father, Bernard, uh, always tell me uh, when he planted back the Ondenk, he was really surprised because he, he never know nothing about these grapes variety. And um, the first vintages was really, really nice. The grapes are really well adapted. There is no disease at all, no mildew, no oidium, and the real was really, really nice, really fast. Yeah, we, we see the well adaptation of this native grape variety to the Gaia climate. So it was a long viticultural history that was interrupted by significant war. Yeah. Basically. And yeah. then also phylloxera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the kind of care that you're expressing it might be normal in a prestigious viticultural region yeah. where there was a lot of money around, yeah. but it seems exemplary in a region where yeah. it's less prestigious at the moment. Yeah. At this time in the world, it's not the most well-known zone, Gaillac. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know, but I mean, we have a lot of history. We have a lot of native grape variety, but we never uh, succeed to talk about them, you know? And um, maybe too much diversity uh, lost people, you know. And, a little too uh, confusing. Yeah, they are too confusing about all these grapes. And uh, now this diversity, I think, in my opinion, is our most powerful tools that, that, that we can use. It could be your savior. Yeah, of course, of course. It Something is. distinct in the yeah, market. Yeah, 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 really, really. Now the AOP syndicate are really thinking about that and, and they want to communicate about native grape variety from Gaillac. So I think we are in a good way. We, we have to keep going this kind of work because it seems to be really interesting for customers and for, and for people in gen generally and for us too because, I mean, it's really interesting to work, you know, with a, a grape variety who never, uh, who customer never knows, you know, like Prenolard. When I say Prenolard, uh, when I serve a glass, uh, the guy looks me with big, big, big eyes and what is it? And so, and, and he, he, he asks a lot of questions about that. And I mean, when the wine is good, it's much better, you know. But yeah. your grandfather was doing this way before it would have been popular yeah. to be concerned with indigenous grape varieties. Yeah, yeah. My, my, my grandfather, when he did that, it was pretty, you know, pretty, not dangerous, but the other winemakers look at him with you know, uh, weird eyes and uh, what is this guy doing? And um, so it was the first and it was uh, the only one against, you know, everybody. <laughs> so, um, but he's enough, he's enough stubber to, to go ahead and, uh, and, and do, do that. So we keep going and uh, thanks to him, now we work, you know, with a lot of grape variety. And my father, when he, when he came back in, in the vineyard at the beginning of the 80s, he keep going with his work, of course, but he wanted more. He wanted to add, you know, um, different kind of viticulture working. So he decided to focus in on the grape varieties, but to focus as well in the vineyard. So he he, he wanted, I mean, to to work organically, uh, really really quick. So he decided to stop chemical with killers and pesticide and all that stuff, um, which were probably pretty common in the region. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. probably your, some of your neighbors were using herbicides. Yeah, yeah. At, at that time, everybody. I mean, at the end of the 70s and the beginning of the 80s, 
every winemaker do that because you know it was easy easy life when you have chemical products you just put some some drops of of chemical weed killers in your vineyard and you earn three weeks of of working it was uh, you know amazing for us at that time but the really the problem that we had the thing is the vinification when when we did that when we put this this chemical stuff in the, in the vines the, the vinification was pretty hard because we still do natural vinification you know with the native yeast and uh, we had some problem because of this unbalance of the, of the ground caused to the chemical uh, weed killers and, and pesticide so when my father saw that he just asked himself why the yeast are not working now and he just do the link between you know chemical with chemical products and the unbalance on, on the yeast so he stopped that so killing the native yeast that were in the vineyard wasn't helping you with yeah. fermentation that's it that's that's really it. so in 1986, I think, he decided to stop that and to buy a plow, an ancient plow, and, and to a vine floor, of course, and he decided to walk the ground and, and to control the weed with that. So um, we begin with a vine plow, yeah, at the end of the, of the 80s. So that's also kind of early for that move, I yeah. mean, in terms of other people in France. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, I think so, and... Um, and I mean, the result was really was really fast. The ground uh, was in in better health, so the yeast also as well. And at the end, the wines better, <laughs> and and the the fermentation was was easy. And uh, so yeah, it, my grandfather bring all these native grapes, and my father do really this organic job. He begin really with this organic job, and he done more precise vinification. You know. Is his own touch. My, my father touch is really, really in, in terms of vinification and in, in work on the vines. So not just the old vines, but old ways of farming. Yeah, that's it. Together. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, they worked together during twenty more than twenty years. It was not so easy, you know, because they are pretty close uh, in terms of aging. My father have, uh, are fifty eight now, and and my my grandfather uh, seventy nine. Or just twenty-one years, so sometimes, and they are two strong characters. So sometimes it was really hard for us to to work together. But um, my grandfather transmitted a lot of things to my father, of course. The, and the transmission was not easy, but it was okay. And um, so I kept going in the vineyard, and my my mother came uh, at the end of the eighties. She arrives in um, in the vineyard in 1991, okay, to work with my father. So um, they work together for a while now. And my grandfather is step by step. You know, he he stopped uh, walking. So he let the keys to my father. So let me ask you this question. Yep. Say you have a vine that no one else in your region has worked with for mm-hmm. many years. Yep. You bring it back from near extinction. Yep. You vinify it. How do you decide what kind of wine to make it into? I mean, at what point do you say, oh, this would be good for a sweet wine, or this would be good in a blend, or this would be good by itself, or this is a good dry wine, or mm-hmm. how do you know? We didn't. <laughs> we absolutely didn't know. We need to do some tries first, of course. For example, for the Verdanelle, the first wine that we made with the Verdanelle was a sweet. And um, the first year, we, we made a sweet with him, but um, we saw that the concentration of the Verdanelle is growing really, really fast. And we picked the grapes but bad for us, too late. But we, we, we didn't know. So we, we do a sweet regular one that we, that we can do with the Modak of, or the Luendere, for example. And the first, I remember the first try, the first uh, tasting that we made with this wine, it was really messy because the alcohol was too high and we lost a, lo- a lot of acidity. But I mean, we have to do mistake before doing well. So uh, next year... It was, I think, the first vintage was in fall, and um, in '05 we tried to do in a dry way, and boom, it was really, really, really nice. We picked the grapes earlier because we learned about uh, last vintage, and the result was really, really nice. So now we keep going and we do try, we do dry white with the Verdanet. and I think it's the same thing for the Prunella, for example, which is a red, red grape variety. First vintages. 
we we see you know little bunches with tiny berries and um, we try to do a pretty strong wine you know so we do a bit of extraction but it was not good it was in 1996 and the next vintage in 1997 we do the opposite and really really lightweight without extraction maceration but without extraction just some remontage sometimes and that's all and the result was really nice so we knew Prunelar needs you know really low maceration really cool maceration and not so much extraction to give tannin to give fruity things so now we keep going with that and and uh, each year we learn about our grapes and which is really interesting. I mean, not only just really interesting, but it's incredible how recent it is. Yeah, you know, to go from '04 to '05 with a significant change, it really wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's really when you grow vines, you work for your son. I mean, the the vines that I will planted uh, in, in some you know, maybe next year, uh, I'm just going to work on it on doing what 25 years. It's for it's for the the, the next generation and. The works that my grandfather did, it's for the next generation, and the next generation is my father. So he he really worked with the work of my grandfather. And um, all the, this worked on the native grapes, variety from Gaillac. Now we, we work on it too, with me and my, my brother and my father too. So we keep going with, um, with tries. You know, we, do, uh, we find another one, the Mosaic Noir, the Black Mosaic. Because mosaic, it's not just one grape variety. You have six whites and one red. And we use this red to produce a really light and, and refreshing red wine. So we do tries all the time. That's interesting. So mosaic, which I usually think of as the grape variety in Blanquette de la Mule, yeah. is actually more than one. Yeah, yeah, seven, actually. Seven different species. Is that a clonal thing or what is that? No, it's just different colors. You know, it's the same DNA. But, but the color is different and uh, sometimes can become from the ground. For example, for the pink mosaic, uh, when you put pink mosaic on the mainly limestone ground, the color of the mosaic uh, will be gray and not pink. But it's the same grape. Okay. And, um, so it's like Pinot Blanc and yeah. like that kind of thing. How that, that's it. The mutations can happen to different colors. Exactly. exactly. That's, that's Even though they're the same DNA. Yeah. 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 And um, so we used... Every every mosaic we use five, uh, five whites to, to produce uh, sparkling whites, dry, sweet, or even yellow wine styled uh, wines like uh, we know we know it Vendoval. We name it Vendoval. I mean we, we can we can produce a lineup of bottle only with mosaic if we if we if we want. And uh, yeah, we have so green mosaic. We have pink and gray. We have brown. We have. Cote de Melon, Mosaic Cote de Melon, which is a, a really, really rare mosaic that we have. We don't work at that time with this, with these native mosaic grapes because we don't have enough. But we are really, really thinking to, to plant much more, maybe in a few years, to, to you know, increase the mosaic power in Gaillac. So when you decide to plant something like that, mm-hmm. do you have one planting style and one training style that you use for everything? Or how do you decide, oh, here's a grape variety that... Yeah. that Hasn't been planted in this region for a long time. How do you determine, oh, it's going to be goblet, it's going to be head pruned? I mean, how do you determine how to plant it? We try to to work in a traditional uh, farming, so only use goblet in our in our vineyard, which is not which is pretty rare in Gaillac. Actually, it's the traditional pruning style, but a lot of winemakers now don't, don't use goblet because they want to use mechanical things, machines. you know, machines, yeah. harvest machine. So, so it needs to needs vines straight and pretty tall. But I think it's not the better kind of pruning for Gaillac. We are in a really warm and really sunny places, so we need berries protection. And the better berries protection are the leaves. So goblet is really well adapted for that because the leaves are always protected, the berries, the bunches, and gives fresh in the morning. Okay, and and it's really really interesting kind of pruning for our climate. I think we, we just adapt our pruning with the climate. It's really warm and sunny, so we need, we need leaf protection. And for the photosynthesis, it, it's better, I think, because we have a lot of leaves, so a best uh, photosynthesis, so better maturity. 
what you're really looking for is a canopy so that you can maintain freshness in the yep. fresh wine. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We need we need that, and uh, it can be difficult in a rainy and and fresh year goblet because uh, the leaves are like you know an umbrella, so the humidity comes from the ground. They are not going out, and and they just stay uh, just above the ground and can be pretty hard in a rainy rainy year. But we have more sunny and warmy year than rainy year, so keep going with goblet, and and uh, I think it's. In my opinion, the, the best pruning that we have in Gaillac. So do these things tend to come in about the same time? Like if you have all these different Mazak, do they get harvested at about the same time or do they kind of ripen at different paces? And It depends the wine that you want to do with the, with the Mazak. We do a sparkling, Mozak Nature. Uh, we use um, pink Mozak to do that. Uh, to do that, we need really low maturity. Okay, So we pick the grape at between 11 and 12 potential. And it's pretty early in the harvest time. It's mid-September, normally, for in a regular vintage. And um, the last grapes that we pick, it's all mosaic as well, but it's end October for the sweets. So, you know, it grows differently. And um, pink mosaic, it's pretty early. So, so we pick these grapes early in, during, in the harvest time. But it really depends on the wine that you want to do. Really, really. If you want a dry white, we will pick it mid-harvest, you know, uh, beginning of, of October. It really depends on that. And what about things like mallow and barrel aging? I mean, do you find yourself blocking mallow sometimes? Yep. Things go through mallow? Do you use barrel aging? What do you do? For the for the mosaic and for, for the whites, generally, the thing you, you have to know, it's Gaillac, it's mainly a white a white region than red, than red region. People think of Gaillac about uh, it's mostly red, but no. The red grape variety came really, really late in the Gaillac history. And in our place, in our vineyard, we are mostly whites. We grow 70% of our, of our grapes are whites. So for the vinification, we press in full bunches first for, for the whites. We do a regular 24-hour decantation by gravity. And uh, after that, we let the wine doing its own fermentation with native yeast in concrete always. We don't want to age mosaic on the ink or verdanel in wood barrels. We want to really preserve all the characteristics of these grapes, you know, all the flavor of the primary flavors. So it's both fermented and aged in concrete? Yeah. We, we ferment in everything in concrete. So do you rack it into another concrete vat? Yeah, that's it. After we, fermentation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We pump after the fermentation, we pump in uh, the wine in other in another concrete vat for a six months aging on the lees. But we never do batonnage because we have enough uh, structure in our wines. So we really want to preserve acidity. We have enough power in our wine, but we don't have enough acidity. So when we catch it, we want to preserve it. That's why we don't do uh, malolactic fermentation on the whites too, because we have to preserve the acidity. And that's why we filter every white wines that we do to stop the malolactic. So how old are those tanks? It depends. These concretes, we have concrete for 30 or 40 years. Other ones, really new. Uh, we bought them two years ago, three, three concrete tanks. But it really depends. We can use also as well stainless steel tank. Or, um, yeah, but we have many, many concrete. We, I pref we prefer working concrete than, than stainless steel because concrete is breathing a bit, so it can give a bit of oxygen for the aging. It's not as uh, um, breathing as wood, but it's breathing a bit, so it can give oxygen. And it's neutral, so it don't give any oaky things in, in, the, in the vines, of course. And do you bottle from concrete? Yeah, we bottle from, from concrete. For the white and for the red, too. Yeah, for the red, we do aging in concrete, too. We age everything in concrete. Wow, that's the why I like the wine so much. <laughs> I, I tend to like concrete in general. Yeah, yeah. The, the only wines that we age in, in woods are sweets and uh, the Vin de Voile, which is uh, our Vengeon, you know. Sure, with a floor. Yeah, with a floor. A floor-like covering. Yeah, that's it. Seven years minimum in wood. So that has to be in wood because that wouldn't happen in tank, exactly. probably. Yeah, exactly. And we, we really want to use woods from our region. So we have a big, big forest really close from us, which name is Forêt de la Grésigne. And um, we use woods, oak woods, from this forest. We have a um, barrel company 
really close from us in Gaillac. And uh, so we bring them the woods and they, uh, they do uh, wood barrels with oak from Forêt de la Grésine. Well, do you do assemblage before you bottle in a different tank? Do you put all the different Dura, say, lots together? Or is there only one lot of Dura? Or? We don't uh, mix, uh, blend the grape variety, but we mix the block, the blocks, the vines. Okay? We have, uh, for example, for the Duras, we have three different blocks of Duras, and we mixed all these blocks to produce one, just one cuvee, the Duras. But it's pretty the same terroir for the Duras. It's uh, mainly limestone and clay, which is the main terroir that we have with a bit of marl every time that give powerful and, and really, really nice freshness of in, in our wines. So most of the terroir is based on limestone and clay together. Yeah, that's it. Limestone and clay. Because uh, in Gaillac, you can find three main terroir. The first, just along the river town, uh, which is mainly sand and grave. The second that we are, uh, it's uh, limestone and clay. It's the, the first slope of the town valley. And the last, it's uh, Le Plateau, uh, Le Plateau Cordé. We call it Le Plateau Cordé. And it's mainly limestone, mostly limestone. So one last question about the tanks. Are those yeah. lined with yeah. anything, like epoxy no, or anything? No, 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 nothing. It's just concrete, brut, brut concrete. Yeah. Huh. When you ferment, is the tank open top or closed top? We have both. For the reds, we, we use open because we have some time we have to do some pigeage. So uh, it's open tank. And at the end of fermentation, of course, we pump the wine in other concrete, but with closed hat. Got it. Mm. Well, that's really interesting. So when do you bottle? It depends. Depends on the cuvee that we that we produced. For for the Brocol, the Syrah, or, or the Mosaic Noir that we that we produce, which are the lightest cuvee that we that we produce. Uh, we bottle the wine uh, next spring. So now we are going to bottle the Brocol, Sierra, and Mosaic Noir. And for the Duras and the Prinolar, which are a bit stronger, with more acidity, we age much more. So we age this both wine a year and a half in concrete and think six months more in the bottle before selling it. So we would have done malolactic in the tank. So the malolactic is going pretty fast in our places. Uh, for the reds, because uh, for the white, we don't do that. We don't do malolactic. But for the reds, it, it happen often, uh, even during the, the alcoholic fermentation. So it can be pretty risky because volatile can grow up. But yeah, it happened pretty well, pretty, pretty fast. It depends on the year. Sometimes it can happen only in, uh, in spring. So we have to wait before bottling it. So you do make Syrah, which is the grape variety that most people listening would be familiar with. Yeah. But mm. for you, it's a lighter wine. Yeah, it's the only exception of our rules of native grape variety. But when my great-grandfather grew this first red, he planted some Syrah, just a bit. And he, he, he produced some wine, some cheap wines at that time, you know, for him and for, for people. So we keep going with these grapes because uh, the vines are pretty old now. They are between 50 and, and 60 years old vines. So they give really, really nice bunches and really, really nice grapes. So um, we do a bit of Syrah. But I think in, in some years, we, we will take them off and plant in other natives. It will be the idea. And, and we want to keep this philosophy. You know, so. so if you take the Syrah as a benchmark for the red, yeah, and you said how the other grape varieties that you grow, which people are not going to be familiar with, yeah, compare to that. Yeah. What are the characteristics of the other ones compared to Syrah? Syrah is kind of the benchmark. What are the other ones? What do they look like? The um, Duras and, and the Prunelar, mainly, first the Duras, we, uh, I will talk about the Duras. Duras, it's mainly peppery, you know, peppery and black fruit aromatics. Prunelar, it's much more on, on the fruit, like plumb, and it's it can be pretty animal, you know, because it's it's uh, it can be a bit reductive when it's young. And for um, the Rocol or the Mosaic Noir, we, we work really in a light way. So we do really low uh, maceration, really low extraction. It's mostly on, uh, you know, fruit. For the Rocol, it's uh, blackcurrant. The main, the main flavor is blackcurrant. And for, for the Mosaic Noir, it's really peppery. It seems to be like sometimes like uh, Pinot Donis or a bit or Pulsar. You know, it's really light. We want to, to work that way for with, with the Mosaic Noir because, I mean... As a Prunelar, we learn about it because it's really new grape variety. So we we look it better when it, when it's light. 
so we keep going with that and um yeah we want to we need to plant more of, of mosaic noir because we just produce 2000 bottles per year for the moment and it's really anonym so we, we have to because I think when a lot of times when people think of the south of France, they don't necessarily think of lighter wines. Yeah, but we, we can in Gaillac. The thing it's in Gaillac we can produce this kind of wine because we have, as I said, two influence. Each year we have these two influence, so we can we can produce light wine thanks to the rainy things and and the humidity and the fresh coming from from the Atlantic Ocean. We we can produce really really light wine with really lot of fruit, lot of fruity things, and. Um, we try to do that with, with the grapes that we have, Brocol, Mosaque Noir, for example. And it's because that's the wine that we want to drink and that's the wine that we like to drink. So uh, we produce this kind of wine with Brocol and Mosaque Noir. But for the Brocol, for example, you can produce a really dark and, and deep uh, wine if you want. If you extract a lot, if you wait for high maturity, you, you can, I mean, uh, with a lot of tannin, you, you can extract, give a lot of tannin, do a 24 aging in, in hoax if you want. And it, it can be good in that way. The thing is we prefer work in a light way because that's the wine that we, uh, that we want to drink. Is there anyone in the region making a Bracol that's bigger like that? Yeah, yeah. Friend winemakers of mine like um, Damien Bonnet or, or Michel Isali, uh, which are winemakers close from us, work the Bracol in a you know, a powerful way. I see. More powerful than than than, than mine. But that maybe they, that's because they have the terroir to do that. Sure. So. Um, and Bracol is also fair Sevradu. That's right? it. That's so it. you see it now and again, mm -hmm. but as something else, the, like on the label. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair Sevradu is a synonym. It's the name that the winemaker from Aveyron gives to Brocol, but it's the same. Actually, Brocol have three names. Much more, but the most famous names are Fer Servadou, Brocol in Gaillac, and Mansois, which are the, the other synonym. When do you approach these wines? If yep. I get a bottle of Plageol, yep. you know, if, if it's sparkling, I imagine I could open that right away. Mm -hmm. If it's white, maybe the same, I don't know. Mm -hmm. If it's red, how, how many years do I keep it before I open it? It really depends uh, the bottle that you have. I mean, if it's a Brocol or a Mozart Noir, or, you, you, you can look it quickly it's not wine to be aged maybe two or three years but that's all but for the Syrah the Duras or the Prunelard mostly the Prunelard we have enough acidity and enough concentration enough structure to be weighted and it's better to wait a bit you know I really I tried a few hours ago uh, a Duras from 12 and a Syrah from 12 and a Prunelard for 11 and now it tastes really really really, really interesting but I think the Prunelard can wait much more. We do a um, vertical tasting of each vintages of Prunelard that we have, and uh, we tasted the first, 1997. And it was really impressive because at that time, the vines are, was really young, and it gives not so much a, a bit of, of bunches. But the wine is still really, really interesting because the acidity is here, and um, the structure is here, so you can really, really wait. And uh, now we know Primularite uh, can be a really good for aging. What are significant vintages for you that you've learned from, and also significant vintages for your family? What are the vintages that are often talked about between you, your brother, and your father? Yeah, for my part, uh, I'm I'm in the domain since uh, 2010, so uh, I just I just uh, walk. So you're a young vine. Yeah, 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 and that's it. Okay. I'm still... But indigenous to the region. Yeah, exactly. Native. <laughs> um, for my father, because I, we speak a lot with my father, of course, it's 89, I think, because it's, um, it was a really sunny and a really warm year, vintage, and it was the second year for the Vendotin, which are the, the dessert wine that we produced, and... Um, the thing is, we don't know why at that time, people talked a lot about this cuvée, Vendotin, because it was just the second, and it was on bank, so really native grapes. And um, we had a, a lot of uh, feedback uh, about, about this cuvée, and uh, the result was really, really amazing at that time for the Vendotin. People started to pay attention. Yeah, yeah, at that time. Yeah, exactly. But just after that, uh, the only... the other vintage that we talk is uh, 2001, which are pretty the same than 89. 
but all the wines was well balanced at that time and it was a really really good vintage oh one yeah we we talk about lots about that yeah so what about the sparkling wines? I found through experience of not really knowing that yeah. the, the Natur and the Pearl are very different. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. That, what are yeah, the differences definitely. between those two sparkling wines from Mazak? The Perle is not really a sparkling. Perle is just a white dry that you made that you don't take off the CO2 from the fermentation. So it's just a bit, you know, you just have a really freezing white, you know, uh, but it's not really a sparkling. The sparkling in Gaillac is really traditional. It's a really old method that we used. Uh, we do that with in, in, in our vineyard with pink mosaic. So we press the full bunches at the other whites that we made. We let the fermentation begin alone, starting alone with the native yeast. But the thing is, we have to really check the fermentation each day because when we have between 25 and 30 grams of residual sugar, we need to stop this fermentation, to slow it. So in the first time, we chill the juice, we chill the, the wine, because it's wine at the time, the fermentation has already begun. And um, we pump this juice in the tank that we have, but in a, we pump in a, in a tank. Actually, we, we, need, we need gravity for this wine, because we do a filtration by gravity with a really, really old filter, which name is Filtramanche, and uh, it's made with um, it's um, cotton actually. Oh, okay. You know, like uh, like like uh, cotton, like regular cotton. And like and you wear on your shirt. Kind. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And uh, the wine go through this filter, absolutely no sterile, of course. And uh, it's just help us to clarify uh, the wine. But a lot of native yeast go through the filter, of course. And at the end of this filtration, we pump the wine in, in another concrete and we let the wine all the winter inside this, this, this concrete, concrete tank. And in January, we, we bottle it with a regular cork, a sparkling cork, and we let the wine all the spring in, uh, uh, in the stock. And when the temperature are growing up and uh, uh, the, the fermentation is ending inside the bottle because we let some yeast go through this filter, the filtramanche filter, and with the sugar that we let, the, sp the sparkling, the bubbles are coming. And when we have enough pressure inside the bottle, we sell it. But we don't disgorge it. That's the main difference that we can find in the winemakers in Gaillac. Some of them are disgorging the wine, the other don't want to. And we don't want to because we need yeast to feed the wine during his fermentation in bottle to give him, you know, uh, the most aromatic flavor of the mosaic. You know, pear, apple. It can be pretty cider noise, and it's, that's our our method. So when you open it, do you have to be especially careful then if it hasn't been disgorged, or is it not so much? We we uh, in France on the back label we we put um, all the explanation of why we we don't disgorge it, and um, so we told customers it can be sedimentation inside the bottle. But sedimentation with native grapes, native yeast, and uh, good foils. But it doesn't yeast. explode on you. No, no, because no. Because it's not that high pressure. Exactly. Is that why? Yeah. Because yeah. if it were champagne and you didn't disgorge it, it would be yeah. a problem, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Really. It can, can really be. But it's not a problem for us because we let just between 25 and 30 grams of residual sugar. I mean, if we let much more sugar, it can be pretty dangerous because you have... You have too much fermentation inside the bottle, so the pressure is going high and uh, can be yeah, pretty dangerous, if I can tell you that, but not so much. So what about the floor wine? Should I think of that more as like a Vinjon or should I think of it more as a sherry? Is it fortified or? It's not fortified. So the vinification is much more than Vinjon, but it tastes much more than, than, than sherry style. I mean, we are between, between Jura, uh, and uh, Andalusia. Sure, Spain's uh, not that far away. Yeah, yeah, it's not that far away. So um, we do same vinification than, than the Jura. So we do a regular white drive vinification first with a, a mix of different gra grape of mosaic. We use, a, for this one, we use different grapes of mosaic. We you can use green, brown, gray. We mixed up in the pressoir. And uh, we do a regular dry white vinification. But we need really good vintage you know, with good acidity, 
good structure to to support seven years of, of aging in, in, in wood barrels. So when we have the white dry, we put the wine in really, really old wood barrels, 600 liters wood barrels, and we let the wine during seven years with a fr- regular flow, and uh, we lost a third of, of each barrels, you know, angel part. And, um, but we don't have rules like, like Jura, you know, we don't have the, the six years and, and I can't remember that it's seven months and a uh, special bottle. Yeah. 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 No, in Gaillac, we can do, uh, what we want with this wine. So, uh, we can let the wine seven years if you want, or 10 years if you want, and we can call it Vendevoile or we, we don't have a, a regular appellation for that because the appellation, the AOP uh, never speak about this wine, never communicate about this kind of wine, which is a shame because it's a really, really old uh, winemaking that we can do in Gaillac. I mean, Sparkling and Vendevoil uh, were the oldest wine that we can produce in Gaillac. My great-grandfather just produced two bottles, Sparkling and Vendevoil. He begins with that. And after that, he planted Duras and the other grapes. But he begins with Vendevoil and Sparkling, which is really interesting because really rare kind of wine, Vendevoil and, and floor wines are really rare, I mean, Europe and, and everywhere. So um, we, I think we have to communicate much more about this kind of wine to protect it, to protect it, because we are just three or four winemakers keep going with this kind of winemaking in Gaillac. We do Vendevoil, Michel Isali do Vendevoil, Virginie Magnin and Patrice Lescaré do Vendevoil too, and I, I think uh, another, another winemaker do that. But four, and we are one much more than 150 winemakers. So it's really, really rare. Laurent Plageol, his family started with two rare wines and now makes several more. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you very much. Laurent Plageol of Domaine Plageol in the southwest of France. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levy Dalton. Aaron Scala has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap are available for sale if you check the show website, alldrinktothatpod.com. That's I-L-L, drinktothatpod.com, which is the same place you'd go to sign up for our email list or to make one of the crucially important donations that help keep this show operating. You can donate from anywhere using PayPal or Stripe on the show website. Remember to hit subscribe or to follow this show in your favorite podcast app, please. That's super important to see every episode. And thank you for listening.